Welcome to Know Your Risk Radio on 97.3 Cairo FM and AM 770 KTTH. Know Your Risk Radio is hosted by Zach Abraham, Chief Investment Officer at Bulwark Capital. Whether it's preservation of capital or an aggressive growth strategy, every investor needs a clearly defined risk profile. Know Your Risk Radio is brought to you by Bulwark Capital, helping families navigate the ever-changing and often volatile markets. Know Your Risk Radio starts now. Here's your host, Zach Abraham. And we are back. Thank you so much for joining us for another of the most scintillating hours in finance radio. Excited to be here. A lot to talk about. Obviously, big moves in the markets. So we're going to hit the market updates. We're also going to talk about bear market investing. Okay? Recessionary investing. You can fill in the words. Am I calling this a bear market and a recession? Yes. I think that the I think that the uh, the debate around it is ridiculous, um, and I don't mean that like er- you know arrogantly. I don't mean that angrily. Like I disagree. Like I said, we're about. I see. I values down about two what, one and a half do two two percent on the year. So we're we're still hanging right around flat. Um, I will tell you this: this move here caught me a little off guard. Um. But it is summer. I think we talked. You know, we talked about how in summer you're, it tends not to be a volatile period of time. Um, the seasonality of it, you know, it just it's it it tends to be pretty serene, honestly, despite what's going on in the world. Um, and so you know, it make the that aspect of it makes sense. But anyway, so we're going to talk about bear market investing, recessionary investing, and what the goals should be. Um, and it's certainly the way we approach it, right? Um, we're also going to discuss the move in rates. Now, we, talk, we talked about that a lot last week, but we're going to get back into, you know, discussing the way that's going to impact things going forward, um, talking, you know, talk about how the, where, you know, what, what the Fed is doing, what they're advertising, and the impacts that they're trying to have. Um, and then we'll also do an update on energy markets because I, I know that that's very much in everybody's minds. Um, and just so you guys know, and, and I think we talked about this last week because energy started getting hammered, right? As the fed announced rates. Um, and, and I don't want to, I don't want to, I don't want to blow my, you know, blow my lead here, right? Cause we're going to, we're, we're going to discuss that's going to be the third segment of the show where we discuss energy markets. Um, but you know, people are like, Zach, does that surprise? No, it doesn't surprise me. It doesn't surprise me that oil's pulled back 10 bucks and oil stocks are down like 40%. It doesn't surprise me. Why? Um, I just, guys, I think that you need to take a, I, I think we just need to take a step back and look that markets, ha- this is the most irrational markets in history. Um, I, well, I think that they're a lot more rational today than they were at the beginning of the year, but they're still nuts. Uh, for instance, any of these snapback bounces, what are they led by? They're led by the biggest garbage in the market. Why are people buying that? Is it a new dawn? No, they're not bought. It's not that. I think that you've got record amounts of retail investor involvement in this market that have absolutely zero understanding about what's going on in rates and how that impacts things or what's going on in the real economy. And they don't think it matters because it didn't during COVID and they can see one of the biggest stock market rallies while the entire economy is shut down. And I do not think that they understand how fed involvement affected that. Right. Because, and, and, and that's a good one to start with right there. Right. People are like, well, yeah, but COVID, right. Look at COVID. People need to understand that that's not, that wasn't a market, right? The market didn't do that. That wasn't, that wasn't a natural market force, Right. That was the that was the byproduct of dumping seven trillion dollars into an economy overnight and just you know having an Oprah Winfrey style giveaway of every you get a car you get a check you get a stimulus right that's what that was and and I think people are conflating that with well that's how markets work um, and I think that those people will continue to learn a very painful lesson unfortunately we're not cheering I'm not cheering it on. I'm just saying it is, it's ridiculous, 
right? Looking at this economy, looking at the state of affairs. Here's the other one that's going on with the economy, and we're going to get into that right now in the market update. Um, guys, there are impending bombs all over the place. It literally is like trying to navigate a minefield right now. And another one that's about to drop, that's about to catch a lot of investors off offsides, and it's something that we've been doing some serious work on and digging into, is retail. The retail situation in terms of just retail companies, right? Like a Target, like an REI, like a Walmart. Um, they, I think that their earnings um, are going to shock people. And what you've got is you've got massive inventory problems that are, so, are, are, are largely due to the supply chain issues that have been experienced over the last year. And what they're probably going to result in are mass layoffs, uh, especially as the economy continues to slow. Um, and they're going to result in massive write downs. And this isn't our opinion. We've had conversations with executives at these companies. Um, the data and the stories we're hearing are very similar. They're very widespread. So, um, yeah, I just, I mean, it kind of is, is what it is at this point. And it shouldn't surprise people. Like I said, it shouldn't surprise people by what is rallying and what's not right. So you've got tech rallying after, so NASDAQ's up what almost a thousand points now since the fed announced a 75 basis point hike. Um, and, and part of it is mechanics too. Right, that's the other thing that you need to be aware of when we're navigating a bull market or a bear market. Part of it is in mechanics. One of the things that causes rallies is after you get big legs down, guys like us who were short, right? Um, well, we were hedged; we weren't net short. Um, and just so you guys know what I mean by that is when we see storms coming, you know, risk management. You guys probably know this if you're listening to the show. We put things in the portfolio that go up when the market goes down. Um. That is called being hedged, right? It's like having insurance, right? Uh, think about blackjack. You know, you're hedging, right? Uh, being net short means that you make money as the market goes down. And we're going to get into that in the bear market investing segment and kind of walk you through how we look at it and, and how we think about it and how we're managing risk and, and, and all those other kind of things. And, and, and also what the goals should be. Right. I think that's very important. It's something I'm hammering our people on all the time is, guys, what are our intentions? What are our goals? And do our actions line up correctly with those goals? So one of the things that will cause these bear market rallies is guys that have made a lot of money on the short side and that take profits. Right. And how do you take profits when you're short? You have to go long. You got to cover that short, right? Whatever you were short selling, you have to now purchase back. That's how you wash a short. That's how you eliminate a short. And so that buying makes those things or that buying of those stocks alleviates the selling pressure. Those stocks start to go up. And then the, then the other people think, oh, this is a, here we go. The market is bottomed. I don't want to miss out. I start buying. And then the buying goes and usually causes very, very, very sharp rallies to the upside. Um, and then the buying runs out of steam and then it rolls over. But this is so, I, I mean, like I said, you know, we've been talking about this all year. You guys have known my story. This is so, um, pro, this is so typical, uh, the action that we're seeing here. And, um, it's one of the things that leads me to believe that we're, no, we're nowhere close to done, right? I, one of the things that I think that you'll see, and this is, remember, this is not guaranteed, right? If it was guaranteed, we'd be betting all, you know, it'd be, we'd be all in on it. There are no guarantees in this business. But um, I think that we will know, one of the way markers that we're going to be watching to see if we're close to a bottom will be when this garbage is the stuff that quits rallying. Right. Um, because, guys, the valuations on a lot of this stuff are still ridiculous. I mean, there is nothing tying it to fundamentals. And when you look at the overall global macroeconomic picture right now, um, there is. Again, there are no certainties in this business, so I want to couch what I'm saying, but it is extraordinarily <laughs> it would be unbelievable 
I, I just don't even think it's possible. I, you will not see these things continue to rally or get up to their previous valuations while the setup is what it is right now, meaning rates going up, inflationary pressures, um, the Fed on the sidelines, uh, and then earnings and revenues dropping sharply. And that is just a guarantee at this point. Okay, revenues. So like I've said before, if you're sitting there wondering, am I missing out on a rally? Do I want to get in here at the quote unquote bottom? Uh, I don't think you're anywhere close. You still have a market that is historically very expensive and you have an economy that's in trouble. Okay, that's just is what it is. Now, does that mean you couldn't see vicious bear market rallies? I'd have to check our numbers now, but I think you could see the NASDAQ rally another 1500 points here. And it would still be in that bear market range that we've been in all year, right? So that would not violate it. And if you look back to previous bear markets, you've seen rallies as much as 25% off the bottom before or off that, you know, that, that temporary bottom, that pause on the way down. You've seen bear market rallies as much as 25%, right? So they can suck in a lot of people. And considering the size of this bull market and the length, biggest on record, like I've said a million times, um, that would lead you to believe that you're going to have really extreme bear market rallies. You still have a record of dumb money in this market. And by dumb, I don't mean that in a pejorative way. I just mean, you know, not informed. Um, You have a whole generation of investors that do not understand fundamentals, right? Um, And... So the fundamentals aren't going to keep them from buying it because they didn't buy the stuff based on fundamentals in the first place, right? They bought it based on memes. They bought it based on storytelling or the popularity of a CEO or his Twitter page. So like we've said from the very beginning, I would expect to see extreme bear market. And that's the nature of this market, right? Again, look at it. One of the things that we've been talking about internally is be prepared for the absurd. Like whatever you think the limits are to either side, you need to expand them substantially, right? So if we think you can go to 13,000, it it could probably push the limits and go as high as 13,800, 14,000 and still not be a bottom. Now I'm not saying that's going to happen. I don't think it will. And the reason I don't think it will guys is just to see a sustained rally that has any reality to it in this market. It's just, I, it would be something that has never occurred. Just, you know, record, you know, <laughs> historic inflationary pressures, drastic reductions of earnings, pullbacks and spending, real estate market install speed, literally install speed, just sort of dead stopped. And um, the Fed's still promising to bring more rate hikes. Um it, it's, it's, it's pretty nasty. Um, the other thing is you're not, you will not see a sustained real rally in my opinion. Um, while the dollar index is where it's at and, and just, you know, even that, think about that, right? Well, why, you know, we've talked about why that's so important and why that shows massive financial stress in the global economy. But, but think of the other thing it does, Right. Everybody around the world is dealing with inflation and and screaming high energy prices. And now if they want to buy U.S. goods from U.S. companies, they have to do it in U.S. dollars. Um, There's just nothing good out there. And in times like these, and we'll go more into this in the whole bear market investing segment that I want to focus on. But in times like these, in bull markets, and I don't want to sound reckless, but in bull markets, it's almost more important to focus on the market. Okay. In bear markets, it's much more important to focus on the fundamentals. Okay. Just that, that's, it's kind of a, that's not a written in, in stone rule, but it's something that I have learned. Um, you know, cause in bull markets, you've got the, you've got everything at your back, right? Typically the fed is not hiking rates. Typically things are stable. Prices are stable. Pr- uh, commodity prices are stable for the most part. And so you just want to make sure that you're in the ride, right? You're, you're, you're going up with everything. In bear markets, you have to focus on the fundamentals. And, um, you know, you're, like I said, you're still looking at a market that's trading somewhere in the neighborhood of 22, 25 times earnings while earnings are dropping like a rock. So, I mean, if you look at, if you want to look at historical valuations, people have asked me, Zach, how much downside do you see? Um, 
I think it would make a lot of sense on a fundamental level to see at least another 30% downside here. Now, when that happens, I don't know. But when you start factoring, I mean, you guys, if you factor in what's happening to earnings, and you've got to extrapolate that a little bit because me nor nor anybody else knows what earnings are going to be by the end of this year. Now, what we do know is they're going to be substantially lower than they were last year. So like I've said before, if you think that this is a rally to buy into or you think stocks have bottomed, what you're trying to – the argument you are making is you're making for multiple expansion. You're making an argument that these stocks will get more expensive as earnings and revenue dives and interest rates go up and inflation, input costs go higher. Um. You know, again, you can't say anything is impossible, especially in this market, because we've seen some pretty wild things. But that is just not a bet I'm willing to make with uh, or to take with my money or my client's money or anybody's money. It's ridiculous, right? I do not believe that a company going through massive financial turmoil means that the valuation of their stock should go up. Now, if you had a central bank still printing money, then I'd say, okay, like they've proven they can do that. Right. If nothing else, they've proven that they can gin the stock market up. We got to take a quick break. We're up against time. Anyway, if you don't have a risk management strategy, give us a call. 866-779-RISK. Again, 866-779-RISK. Go to the radio show website, knowyourriskradio.com, bulwarkcapitalmanagement.com. If you don't want to call us, you can always email in. We can do email correspondence. But there's a better way, guys. Take the the three minutes it takes to call us and educate yourselves. Educate yourselves on how we're lowering fees, improving performance, improving upside, and drastically lowering risk. It's going to be worth your time. Anyway, we'll be right back. Stick with us through the break. You're listening to the Know Your Risk Radio podcast. Download and subscribe at knowyourriskradio.com. Do better in bull markets. Do better in bear markets. Pay less fees in all markets. You're listening to Know Your Risk Radio with Zach Abraham, Chief Investment Officer at Bulwark Capital Management. You can subscribe to Zach's free newsletter, The Bulwark Insider Report, at knowyourriskradio.com. Hey, it's Story Monson with Zach Abraham, Chief Investment Officer at Bulwark Capital and host of Know Your Risk Radio. Zach, what's the number one concern with people's investments right now? Without a doubt, Dory, it's inflation, and it's here. With all this money printing and with still 0% interest rates, inflation will very likely rise, and when inflation rises, bonds get smoked. We've been telling people for six years, if you're using bonds in the old-school 60-40 mix as the safe portion of your portfolio, you're taking a risk in today's inflationary environment. Well, what should our listeners do? If you're worried about inflation, we believe that you should consider getting out of bonds and get educated with Bulwark's bond replacement strategy. We teach you exactly how to do it in our free booklet, Common Sense Investing. Learn how to protect your portfolio against loss, but still seek to grow your assets. Call Zach now for your free copy of Common Sense Investing, 866-779-RISK, or go to knowyourriskradio.com. Investment advice cannot be given without a client service agreement. Bulwark Capital Management is an investment advisor representative of Trek Financial LLC and SEC Registered Investment Advisor. You're listening to Know Your Risk Radio with Zach Abraham, Chief Investment Officer at Bulwark Capital Management. And we are back. Thank you so much for being with us and sticking with us. You know, the other thing that the market might be sniffing out here, again, I just think that this is just a a typical relief rally. It's almost, again, like muscle memory, just kind of a function um, of way markets work. But I, you know, economically speaking, um, the picture couldn't look much more bleak. And I think that this is a wonderful, you know, I think that the way, and again, we're going to get into this in this next segment, but I think the way that people should be looking at this is that rallies like this, that give them an opportunity to make decisions that they should have made a long time ago, right? To get out of some of this ridiculous tech stuff. And it's still widely owned. Um, and risk management is the key here and looking at the big picture and not trying to catch these bear market rallies and rips because unless you know what you're doing and even pro- pro- professional investors, guys, um, we were, a, we were a little more aggressive at trying to catch these up moves earlier in the cycle. And we've gotten to a point now where the picture is so clear, you know, like on a day like today, I think we're, I, I don't know. I, I'd have to take a look right now just because things aren't moving around so much, but we're not up much. I mean, I think like around like half or, or like eight tenths of a percent or something like that. One percent. Why? 
again, it, it's just how ugly it is out there. And trying to navigate these types of rallies and catch them, um, it's even really tough for, for, for very experienced traders. You know, like Marcos that runs our algorithmic portfolio. He, he, you know, he and I were talking about it. He goes, I want no part of this. Because it's not trading on anything fundamental, right? The fundamentals say the market needs to go a lot lower. So anyway, um, so it continues to be all about risk management, guys. And as always, if you're sitting on big, if you're sitting on big downs right now, do not sit there and hope that it's going to come back. I don't think it is. Bottom line, not for a while, not for a long while, in our opinion. And I think that there are really easy way markers to see when it might be a good time to start putting money to work again. Or, or I, and I think there are big opportunities. I'm not advocating you sell everything and sit in cash, but I think that there are big opportunities out there that this will unveil, right? The turmoil will unveil increasingly more opportunities that we don't want to miss out on. We're not going to be able to time everything perfect. So I'm not advocating sitting under, you know, putting your money under the mattress, sitting on cash at all. I'm just saying that, you know, if moves like today gets you excited and you're thinking, oh, okay, maybe we've bought him. This Zach guy doesn't know what he's talking about. Just you're in for more pain. I, I just, I hate to break it to you. And I think one of the re- really easy ways to look at it, guys, let's look at it really simply. Do you think that the economy is in better shape than it was today or today? Do you think it's in better shape today than it was January 1st, 2020? Right before COVID happened. I mean, it's impossible to make that argument. The Fed was still involved. The Fed funds rate was still a zero. Interest rates were stable. Inflation was essentially non-existent. Energy prices were lower, right? The market right now is valued much more richly than it was January 1, 2020. It's much higher than it was January 1, 2020. And I, the picture couldn't be worse, right? So that's a, and, and people go, well, the market's looking ahead. Okay, well, where is it looking ahead to? Right. I mean, what is the Fed telling you that what's happening ahead is increased interest rate hikes? So I, you know, I mean, if you want to go out there and you think that we're wrong, you know, that we're wrong and we're being pessimistic and all that other kind of stuff, you know, you're going to do what you want to do. But now it's all about risk management. The other nice thing about risk management, guys, is when you're essentially flat on the year, you don't need to be panicked about missing out on up moves. Right. We're going up gently, not not anywhere near as much as the market, but on days like this, our accounts are going up too, right? And that's one of the nice things about risk management is when you're not sitting on big losses, you don't need to be worried about earning it back. And if you're having that debate in your mind right now and you're retired or close to retired, that should be the signal to you. Like I said last week, learn the lesson that you should have known. You're invested improperly. You have way too much risk exposure, especially in this environment. And if you want to fix that, give us a call, 866-779-RISK. Again, 866-779-RISK. Go to the radio show website, knowyourriskradio.com. We got a virtual road show coming up, I believe is this Thursday. Anyway, I'll get the exact dates, but or you're probably hearing it all over the, uh, all over the radio ads anyway. But um, you know, if you want to register for our virtual reality road show or our virtual road shows, email in to Bulwark. And we'll get you on the list. We've only, got a, we've only got room for about 100. We typically get about 130 to 140 people to sign up. So not trying to, it's free. So I'm not trying to create a sense of urgency, just letting you know the lay of the land. Anyway, we got to take a quick break. We'll be right back to talk about bear market investing. Stick with us. You're listening to the Know Your Risk Radio podcast. Download and subscribe at knowyourriskradio.com. This is Know Your Risk Radio with Zach Abraham. Listen to Zach discuss key investment strategies across several asset classes, not just stocks and bonds. Get your free copy of Zach's new booklet, Common Sense Investing. Go to knowyourriskradio.com. Hey, it's Story Monson with Zach Abraham, Chief Investment Officer at Bulwark Capital and host of Know Your Risk Radio. And Zach, I know you and Bulwark are laser focused on risk management. What is the biggest risk right now? Ironically, bonds. Really? Why? Because of all this money printing and the fact that we're still at zero interest rates, it's likely to create some serious inflation. And inflation crushes bonds. If your portfolio has a significant portion in bonds, you may need a bond replacement strategy now. Get our free booklet, Common Sense Investing, to learn about Bulwark's bond replacement strategy that shows you how to protect your retirement against loss, but still seek market gains. Our goal is the highest returns with the least amount of risk and cost. Call now for your free 
free copy of Zach's new version of Common Sense Investing. Learn about Bulwark's bond replacement strategy, 866-779-RISK, or go to knowyourriskradio.com. Investment advice cannot be given without a client service agreement. Bulwark Capital Management is an investment advisor representative of Trek Financial LLC and SEC Registered Investment Advisor. You're listening to Know Your Risk Radio with Zach Abraham, Chief Investment Officer at Bulwark Capital Management. And we are back. Thank you so much for sticking with us. Okay, so let's get into bear market investing. Um, and people are like, well, you know, is it, well, I mean, this is now a bear market by definition. Maybe the S&P is slightly out of bear market range right now. But this is, you know, I think it's very safe to call this a bear market. And um, just for the record, I don't think we're anywhere close to seeing a bottom on this. Um it, 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 I get, you know, let me, let me, let me, I, to me, if, if the Fed reverses course and starts cutting, which I think that they will probably within six months, we'll have to see the way that plays out. But if the Fed were to continue, if the Fed reverses and gets accommodative again, then all bets are off. Now, I don't, I think that the way that this will unwind and you guys can hold my feet to the fire and I'm just going to tell you right now, it's a prognostication. So take it for what it's worth, which is not much. Nobody, including me, knows what these things are going to look like. Um, but even if the Fed got reinvolved with this economic backlook backdrop, because I don't think it's going to look a whole lot different in six months, there will be certain inflationary pressures that pull back. There'll be others that won't. You know, for instance, if you look at energy right now, um, if the economy continues to function normally and there isn't a massive recession, energy prices are going to continue to go higher, guys. Uh, you're just not seeing the requisite, the, the needed investment in that space. And a lot of it is politi- you know, political issues. Um, and then a lot of it is just investors and money flows, you know. So, But in bear market investing, let's first, like I was saying on, on the earlier segment, I think it's really important first to discover, to, to establish what our goals are in bear markets. And first and foremost, the goal in a bear market should be preservation of wealth, right? Wealth preservation. What do I mean by that? What I mean by that is, and, and I was also saying earlier how we want to focus on fundamentals. All too often, and I get it. Because it's real. I'm not saying it's not. But all too often we look at it and go, is our account up or is our account down? That's the only thing that matters. In bear markets, you have to look at it differently. Okay? Because what we're looking at is cash flows. We're looking at it like you'd look at a rental house. You know, if you own a really good rental house and you own it outright right now, are you horrified that interest rates are going higher and that is going to put downward pressure on the price of your rental home? No. Why? Because it's still cash flowing. Would you be concerned that a massive recession might lower the cash flow rate on that house by 50%? Yeah, that would be concerning. And I actually don't see that as much of a threat in this environment because the higher rates go, the more people are going to be forced to rent, right? Now, I'm not saying, but my point is you're not worried about that up and down for the most part. Because A, it's a solid asset with not a bunch of debt on it and it positive cash flows, right? That's kind of the attitude we need to take in bear markets. Now, does that mean we just want to be able to, you know, ride down a 40% loss on a basket of companies because they're good? No, that, that's too big, right? You want to limit those losses. But I think you need to have a range. And one of the ranges that we have is in a nasty bear market, meaning a loss of 40 to 50%, I think a 10 to 15% pullback in stock portfolios is acceptable. And I think that you need to give yourself that much leniency. I think you need to give it that much wiggle room. Why? Because if you try to play it too perfect, you'll cost yourself money in the long run. Because you need to have the discipline to step in there and purchase things when they get really cheap and understand that if you're purchasing them in a bear market, the likelihood that you're going to bottom ticket, meaning buy, buy it at the absolute lowest price, you know, that's just pure luck. It's usually not going to happen. Usually you're going to have to leg in. But when you're buying really good companies at, at three times earnings or eight times earnings or something like that, are you worried if it pulls back another 15%? No, you buy more. So first of all, capital preservation, establishing that range. 
right? And then also knowing how to do that without just sitting in cash. Because like I said, I think that that will cost you in the long run. And nobody can time these things perfect. The other thing it gets back to, right, about what is our goal? Our goal is not to get it perfect. We know going into it that we're not. We need to be realistic. What should the goal be? The goal, like I said, should be preservation of capital and to increase wealth. Okay, so how do we increase wealth if the value of our account is going up or isn't going up? Right, or even if it's down some, how do we increase wealth? We purchase more assets. We purchase them at very low prices. We purchase them at phenomenal valuations, right? And that's one of the goals that we have. Okay, so last week, and I said this on the show last week, you need to be careful with energy here. I feel like it's going to get pounded. Um, and energy stocks are down for, what is it, 35% or something like that in a week? Um, so what we did was we hedged our energy exposure. Okay, we put things in our clients' portfolios that go up when the market drops. Is that because we were just deathly afraid of these companies that we love? Now, here's the other thing. Why didn't we just sell? If I thought that, why didn't we just sell those energy stocks? Because, guys, this is how stupid this market is. Even if oil falls to 70 on these oil companies that we own, all of them, and it's a criteria that we've used picking out which ones we want to own, all of them will still be throwing off positive cash flow and profits that equal 20 to 25% of the company's market capitalization, meaning the total value of the company, right? I don't, I don't sell something because I'm afraid that it's only going to be throwing off 20% profit based on the price that I sold, right? Like that would be saying I could buy a house for $100,000 and I can rent it for $20,000 a, a year, Right? Or I can buy a house for a million dollars and rent it for $200,000 a year. Or no, I can rent it for $400,000 a year, but I'm going to panic sell it because I think I'm only going to be able to rent it for $200,000 a year. Guys, that's a 20% annual return on investment. And, that's, and, and, and this, these are also, this is another factor of why we don't think you're anywhere close to a bottom right now. Because what do bear markets do? Bear markets are cleansing. Bear markets beat up idiocy. They beat up financial illiteracy, right? And until you get that nonsense beat out of this market, until you see on a, on a rally like today, you know, with the NASDAQ leading the charge, there's another sign that this isn't over. When this thing's over, you're going to see the Dow and the S&P leading every time and, and potentially the Russell 2000. Why? Because if you look at these tech companies, they're still priced like they're killing it. And they're not. They're getting killed. Most of them, right? There's, there's, you know, the really quality ones at the top. Again, I don't think that anybody should sell those. I think you should protect what you've made because you've had such a good run in them. But on a valuation basis, they're still, they're still reasonable companies. They're still reasonable investments that are throwing off tremendous amounts of profit. But... You, you've, you've got to, we, we, in order for us to make a bottom, that, that, this idiocy, this, this complete non-fundamental look at investing, it has to die. It's got it's to it's receive max pain because the next bull market ain't going to look like the one we just had, guys. That's not the way things work. They're too cyclical. Even though central banks have tried to eliminate, eliminate cyclicality from the economy. But the other thing is, is that, why do I think that these, this bear market rally could go significantly higher? Because the bear market rallies do to the same thing the drops do, right? They incentivize you to capitulate and give in and go long. And it's, it's, they typically don't break. Now, again, this pick, this, this situation is a little bit different because the economic backdrop is so bad and stocks are still so historically overpriced. I mean, it's pretty nuts. It, and if you factor in, the crazier thing is, guys, if you, and I'm getting a little off course here, I know this, but I just want you guys to know the, the ridiculousness of, of where we're still at. I mean, if you, if you factor in even a moderate pullback, you know, if you basically just forecast the pullback in earnings that, that we're seeing now, right? You, so let's say it doesn't get worse. It just, it, it, you extrapolate it out and, you know, you basically we, we, continue the way we are this year, but it doesn't get worse. It's just 
if you factor that out and you price that into these markets right now, they're more expensive now than at any other time in this bull market run. Right? If you normalize those earnings out through the end of this year. And again, am I saying it's impossible? No, can't say anything's impossible this day and age. But if you think that those companies are going to reach record high valuations while earnings and their cost to borrow money is going up, earnings going down, revenues dropping, recessionary pressures, unemployment up, real estate market at a standstill, I just good luck. Good luck. So getting back to how we navigate bear markets, we hedged those energy stocks last week. And thank God we did. You know, again, am I pounding, putting out my chest saying we got a perfect? No. I mean, I wish I had even hedged more, right? But one of the reasons we did is just because rates were going up. And I was like, at a certain point, this is going to hit energy. And we've, we've had a really good run, right? And so you want to protect those gains. You want to take some chips off the table and put them in your pockets. We're not trying to maximize gains. We're not trying to, right? Um, especially in environments like this, we're trying to maintain wealth. We're trying to preserve wealth. But what we did, and this is what I was saying, is we, want it, we, we, we can't judge that preservation just by price, just by the value in our accounts. The goal we have in a bear market is to stay about as even as we can. If we go up, great, right? But to go up, I've got to take other risks, right? I mean, to go up when markets are going down, you've got to risk going down when markets go up. And one of the most painful things in the world is going down when markets go up. I don't know if you've ever done it, but it's not fun. It's not good for clients either. But what our goal is, is to increase our wealth. What does that mean? Is if we can hold that account somewhere close to even during nasty markets like this and increase the amount of things we own, then that's a big win. And if we're down 10%, I don't like being down. But if we're down 10%, I'm not that worried about it as long as we're increasing the value, right? The, the, the number of assets and the quality of assets that we own. So what do we do with those hedges? Well, what we did, now that hedge was up as of yesterday, it pulled back today, but I think we were up 40% on that energy hedge in the last week. And so what we've already done is pulled some of the profits out of that hedge and used it to buy, we, we added to some of our favorite stocks, And we just bought Occidental Petroleum with the profits we made from the energy hedge. So the drop in oil bought us more oil stock. Now, am I suggesting that you should go buy Occidental Petroleum? No. I'm not telling you not to. I mean, Buffett's bought even more recently. But I'm not advising you to do that. I don't know if it's appropriate for you. I don't know if it's appropriate appropriate for your portfolio. So I can't judge that. I, I, I know it's appropriate for us in the way that we manage those positions. Um, But that's what our goal is that we have a saying here at the firm is that shorts feed the longs, right? And what does that mean? That anytime we have a short bet or a hedge, something that goes up when markets go down, um, anytime we have something like that, we're going to take those profits and we're going to use them to buy other assets. Why? Because the vast majority, 99% of the time, if you sit on a short position too long, you will end up losing money. Right. Like perfect example is, you know, if, you know, if you were short tech stocks or if you were short banks, right. During the great financial crisis, it was awesome. What did you have to do at some point? You had to sell that short, take the profits and move on. Otherwise those banks came back and you ended up sitting on massive losses. So when you, when you make money on the short side, we want to make sure that we're memorializing that gain, that we're not just going to give it right back. So we let those gains buy us more stuff. So even as our account value might be going down a little bit, right, or st- staying relatively the same. So when you're looking at the account, you're like, I'm, I'm, but Zach, we're not making money. Yeah, we are. We are. Why? Because we're buying more assets and we own pieces of those assets that pay profits and produce dividends. You may not be seeing the financial impact in terms of your account valuation going up. But when the show is finally over and when the drop is finally complete, you're on, you're sitting on more assets 
right? So you, your your account value will be a lot higher by by default when things recover. And and part of it is because making money on the short side or on hedges is so hard, right? When you hit it that well, you want to memorialize that. You want to take those profits and you want to build that wealth, right? You want to own more assets. We've actually let, I don't want to tell you all of it, but just because I regulatory issues, it's not like I'm trying to hold the, the, the cards close to the, the, the chest or anything like that or close to the vest. Um, but th- that hedge has already bought us two positions that we've wanted. Now, those account values haven't really changed. Like I said, we've just been the value portfolio at the, you know, at the worst part of the year was down uh, five and a half percent. I want to say at the low, at the high, it was up seven. I think we're down about two and a half, three right now. So we're just still bouncing around in that range. But if we look underneath the hood, we've bought more stuff. We own more stuff than we did going into this. Um, now we've sold some other things too, that were more like trades and, and taken some profits. But again, that goal during a bear market, in my opinion, And I think it makes perfect sense, especially for a retirement portfolio, is to keep that account balance relatively stable because account balances bouncing up and down are not good for retirement because we're relying on income, right? And we're pulling money out of the accounts. And there's been tons of studies on this. We've talked on the radio show about it before, that if you take two portfolios that both average 10% a year over the course of a year, and one is rolling at you know, let's say 20% volatility, meaning 20% bumps up or, you know, 20% bumps up and down are, are commonplace in the portfolio. And you have another one that's running at like 5% volatility. Um, even at the end of 10 years, if you're taking income out of that account, you will end up with substantially more money in the low volatility portfolio because you're not selling in those low dips. Right, Because we think about it, taking income out of a retirement portfolio means you're a forced seller every single month. Right? That's where the income comes from. We've got to sell things, especially in this environment. We'll be able to use to live off the interest, but interest has not been – there hasn't been enough interest to be made to live off of, of, uh, of securities now for quite some time. So again, I, I think first and foremost, we have to establish the goals. What are our intentions? What is it that we're trying to do? And that's important because even if you're an experienced professional investor, when you get markets ripping like this up and down and sideways, your emotions will get the better of you, right? What are we trying to do? Once we have that established, how do we go about doing that? For us, we, de- we, 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 we define that or, or, or we, we, we've got how, what we're trying to do, trying to preserve capital and build wealth. And how do we go about doing that? About hedging, preventing the big losses in the portfolios, using those profits on the hedges to buy more things we like, okay? So that is how we navigate bear markets. And I think for people in retirement, if you're 40 years old, 35 years old, I would just say, you know, raise a substantial amount of cash, you know, 30 to 50% of the portfolio sit in cash and wait for things to drop and be patient and buy more as it goes lower. Because you're not relying on that money for income, you know, so it really isn't important. As a matter of fact, 35, 40 years old, you should be fine with massive amounts of volatility. My personal account that I run some concentrated stuff in, and I don't want my clients to get upset because this wouldn't be appropriate for them. But at one point this year, it was up 75%. I think now it's up like 55, right? Massive amounts of volatility, but, but that's not appropriate for retirement portfolios. Do I, does that amount of volatility bother me? No, because I don't need the money right now. And I also do this for a living, right? So I've got an iron gut when it comes to volatility, just because it's part of the game. But anyway, that's, that is the playbook. Now we're going to take a quick break again, guys, if you want this type of thinking, if you want to make sure that when markets are down 30%, you're not getting slaughtered, that you're bumping right around even. Okay. Give us a call 866-779-RISK and 866-779-RISK. And we will be right back to a little update on energy markets and what we see happening there. You're listening. So stick with us through the break. You're listening to Know Your Risk Radio podcast. Download and subscribe at knowyourriskradio.com. And we are back. All right. Let's, let's get into the energy update here. Um, I had this question a lot. Why did oil pull back? Um, you know, funny enough, 
Do I think oil should pull back? I, well, what I think doesn't really matter. Does it surprise me? No, and it actually makes some sense. Um, why? Because that, that is how bad this backdrop looks. So I think that the pullback in oil is telling you the real story. People are like, well, yeah, but look at it compared to the NASDAQ. NASDAQ's still down 25% on the year or something like that. Guys, the NASDAQ should be down. It's ridiculous. The, and, and like I've said a million times before, these companies were never worth what they're trading at, and they're not worth where they're trading now. I just it, on any level you want to look at it, it's just all nonsense, driven by too much printed money and retail absurdity. It's just like crypto markets. Um, but you know, I think oil is kind of telling you. Now that being said, you know what are we? We are basically kind of bumping around that one twenty level on oil, right? One fifteen. Um, you're at 107, so it's not a big pullback. The energy stocks just get obliterated when that happens. Um, that shouldn't surprise you either. I mean, you think about that, guys. Put that in context. Oil dropping from 115 to 107 has precipitated a 40% sell-off in oil stocks, which is a bigger pullback than the NASDAQ was down at the lowest part of the year. Okay, that's how absurd this is. And then, and then if you look at profitability, it's just, it's, it's insane. But, um, I think that, I think that that is showing now, do I think that oil is in danger of going to 40? I, you know, again, I don't want to say nothing is possible because if you got the right set of economic factors, you could possibly see that the problem is, is if the price of oil gets that low, there aren't enough people that can sell it and make a profit. I mean, it would drive companies out of business. I, that it's, there isn't enough of it out there to, even if you looked at a significant pullback in global oil demand, nobody'd be able to sell it at a profit. Right. So I, I mean, I think that could it sure oil can do anything in the short term. Like I, like I've pointed out many times, the pullback you had at the end of last year, based on worries that the Omicron virus was going to result in another, uh, another economic shutdown, which was just absolute absurdity. And we said that on the show at the time, but that didn't stop oil just from that nonsense, pulling back 26%. And again, I'll go back to when you see these types of moves in the real assets, the things that are actually going up in value. And then you see the resilience of the nonsense. It just points historically to the fact that you're not anywhere close to a bottom, right? Like I said, you got to beat that absurdity out of the markets. But energy markets right now, some people are sitting there saying rig counts are going up. Rig counts have risen, meaning that there's starting to be more drilling activity, but nothing to a level that would be commensurate with this type of client. I mean, usually if you're at 100, 100 plus in oil, you'd see rig counts exploding, right? Because companies want to sell. Um. And the structural reasons for it, we talked about it last week. If, you, if, you, if you're buying into price gouging, which I keep hearing people say, A, don't say it out loud. If you buy into that narrative, don't say it out loud, okay? Because it makes you sound like an idiot to anybody that knows what's going on. Now, apparently our president hasn't gotten that memo, and that's not a personal shot at him at all. Again, I try to keep politics out of, the, out of investing. It only, clouds the, it only really clouds the picture. But it's, it, it, it's just absurd. Every time he says something like that, I just wince. And I'm like, good God, you should be embarrassed. But I mean, that's like the, you know, that's the classic ploy. Oil prices go up. It's oil companies that are evil. <laughs> it's just, it is, it is just beyond, it's a theater of the absurd. Um, but, you know, pullbacks like this, they, they don't, they don't surprise me. Again, I think that they're forecasting the real state of the economy, the real state of economic weakness, the real likelihood of recession. Um, and again, you know, that's why I think, and we've, we've said this from the very beginning. We said, guys, if you're going to play commodity cycles like this, you need to learn how to embrace 35 to 40% downside moves because that's what happens. Now, this time it's even more exacerbated, I think, because of the political environment. Um. But this is kind of the price. This is what we pay to play, right? So um, long-term outlook looks still as good as it has for oil and nat gas, for that matter. Um, but I would not be surprised to see more downside pressure here. For us, it's just going to represent more buying opportunities. But, um, you know, I'm, I'm not advocating for that to anybody. You know, I'm, again, anything I talk about on the show, and I've said this too, 
many times, but I want to reiterate this. Guys, don't just blindly implement anything you hear me talking about on the show because we're managing the risk. We're watching it. And just because we own something today doesn't mean we'll own it next week. So anyway, uh, as always, though, go, hey, go to the we got that other virtual road show coming up. You can see everything we do, how we do it, what our performance has done, how it looks stacked up to the markets. We talk to you, we explain our bond replacement strategy, how we lower your risk massively. Like I said, our average account all in, if it's got all the components, our average accounts are bumping right around even on the year. Markets down 20 plus, right? Give or take, depending on the day. Um, but if you want to know how we do that, this virtual roadshow is a great way to get in front of it. Just go to our website, sign up. It's coming up this week. I believe it's Thursday, but don't quote me on that. Go to the website. You'll find the information there. Anyway, got to run. Have a great weekend. We will be back next week. Thanks for listening. You're listening to the Know Your Risk Radio podcast. Download and subscribe at knowyourriskradio.com. Thanks for listening to Know Your Risk Radio with Zach Abraham, Chief Investment Officer at Bulwark Capital. Whether it's preservation of capital or an aggressive growth strategy, every investor needs a clearly defined risk profile. Schedule your free risk review with Zach Abraham now at knowyourriskradio.com. Zach will be back with more Know Your Risk Radio next Saturday at noon on 97.3 Cairo FM and AM 770 KTTH. The opinions expressed in this program are for general informational purposes only and are not intended to provide specific advice or recommendations for any individual or on any specific security. It is only intended to provide education about the financial industry. To determine which investments may be appropriate for you, consult your financial advisor prior to investing. Any past performance discussed during this program is no guarantee of future results. Any indices referenced for comparison are unmanaged and cannot be invested into directly. As always, please remember investing involves risk and possible loss of principal capital. Please seek advice from a licensed professional. Investment advice cannot be given without a client service agreement. Bulwark Capital Management is an investment advisor representative of Trek Financial, LLC, an SEC-registered investment advisor. Hey, it's Story Monson with Zach Abraham, Chief Investment Officer at Bulwark Capital and host of Know Your Risk Radio. And Zach, I know you and Bulwark are laser-focused on risk management. What is the biggest risk right now? Ironically, bonds. Really? Why? Because of all this money printing and the fact that we're still at zero interest rates, it's likely to create some serious inflation. And inflation crushes bonds. If your portfolio has a significant portion in bonds, you may need a bond replacement strategy now. Get our free booklet, Common Sense Investing, to learn about Bulwark's bond replacement strategy that shows you how to protect your retirement against loss, but still seek market gains. Our goal is the highest returns with the least amount of risk and cost. Call now for your free copy of Zach's new version of Common Sense Investing. Learn about Bulwark's bond replacement strategy, 866-779-RISK, or go to knowyourriskradio.com. Investment advice cannot be given without a client service agreement. Bulwark Capital Management is an investment advisor representative of Trek Financial LLC and SEC Registered Investment Advisor.